Learn to Mother, the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode nine of Maiden to Mother. Today we are talking with my dear friend Sophie. How are you going, Sophie? I am well, Kendall, and you? I'm very good, thank you. Can you start off by introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about um, yourself and your family and especially about where you guys live? Okay, so my name is Sophie Malone. I am married to the most wonderful man, Lewis, and we have three gorgeous kids, Molly Ann, Billy and Hank, and we live on a beef cattle station in Outback Queensland. So we're going to go over all of the babies. <laughs> um, and how old are the kids? Molly Ann turned five in August. Billy was four last Wednesday, and Hank will be three in November. Ah. Beautiful. Um, so we'll start off with Molly then. Um, but prior to your conception with Molly, um, you and Louis were trying to conceive before that and you had a miscarriage. Is that right? Can you tell us about that? Yep. So we had three miscarriages. Um, so we started trying to have a baby in 2015, um, fell pregnant straight away, out here, the process is a little different. Um, I was very fortunate to have a friend give me the rundown on her experience uh, because when you do live out here, you are quite isolated from people. Mm. Um, and she had said to me, look, Sophie, when you do fall pregnant, um, just go to the midwife in Concurry. Um, she will help you out. It's free and this friend of mine had had two babies in Mount Isa and she said I'd had a great experience there. So Louis and I, obviously, this is very early days, but given where we live and the fact that, you know, everywhere is three to four hours away, we had kind of thought we'd have a baby in Longreach. Uh, we mm -hmm. had a house there, friends there at the time, and when she said she'd had such a positive experience in Mount Isa, I was uh, one shocked because uh, Mount Isa is a polarising town and two... <laughs> It was a lot closer, so I was like, oh, well, that, that might be better. We'll give that a go. So I rang at, I think, you know, eight weeks or something and said, look, I think I'm pregnant. And the midwife said, no worries, I'll meet you in McKinley. So McKinley is um, about an hour's drive for us and about an hour's drive for the midwife. So she came from Concurry. And... She, you know, met her and obviously she was amazing um, and so starts the amazing friendship that I now have with this woman. Um, so she said to me, right, well, let's get a, book you in for a 12-week scan. Went to the 12-week scan, obviously full of excitement, but I wasn't naive in thinking that, um, you know, a new miscarriage has happened. I'd had a few friends that have had one. My mother had had one. Um, so when it turned out that the baby was not viable, I was sad, but I wasn't devastated because mm. I was like, oh, well, you know, we'll take the positive out of this. I got pregnant really quickly um, and we'll just try again. So I rang my midwife when I found out that the baby wasn't 
viable. And she said, okay, I'll, um, no, actually, I couldn't get onto her. That's right. She was away. And another twist of fate, we were sent um, to um, the on-call um, obstetric gynaecologist at the time who was an, the next amazing person I was to meet in this journey. And um, she asked me, did you want to miscarry naturally or did you want to miscarry um, via surgery or did you want to miscarry with some medication that they give you, which is, um, you know, just speeds up the process. And Kendall, you know Lewis, but he was mm. like, no, nah, let's get the show on the road. Um, we need to try for another baby. So yeah. we decided not to miscarry naturally, <laughs> which is the longest option. Uh, I wasn't a fan of having a DNC, so we ruled out the surgery option. And I took the medication, miscarried in Mount Isa while we had a good night on the town with some friends. Oh, and <laughs> well, he was like, what can I do? I must have that was some and as I said, I was fine. I was fine with this one. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was sad and it was a shame, but we were, you know, we knew that the, this could happen. Mm. Um, so my doctor had said, righto, first natural period, and then you can get the show on the road again. So that's what we did, got pregnant straight away again. Um, and again, I rang my beautiful midwife in Cloncurry and she said, well, this time let's get a dating scan. Let's not make you wait for the 12 weeks. Um, so I went four hours to Mount Isa in the car again, full of hope and excitement and really, really nervous uh, to find out that we had twins and both had not made it so that one was really bad mm. but again I was like right I'm kind of getting the hang of this <laughs> um <laughs> I know what to do I take the medication go through the process um did they again, did they just not have a heartbeat or what was the situation yeah, so yeah. baby wasn't viable Right. So I am very fortunate that all three of my miscarriages were before 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, so I never heard a heartbeat. I never had that, um, you know, excitement of going, oh, there's a baby, and then unfortunately it, it, it doesn't survive. Mm. I was really lucky that, um, you know, whatever ha was happening just wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, so after that one, we decided to get a whole range of tests done to see that if maybe there was something genetically that wasn't quite right with the two of us. Um, and we went through it down that path and everything came back fine. So we were like, okay. And that's when Louis just said, look, Soph, we're going to fuck them with numbers and one of these <laughs> is going to stick. <laughs> so first natural period, got pregnant again and miscarried and no. that one was the worst because mm -hmm. I knew that there was nothing, like we'd done everything and I knew there was nothing wrong um, and I was devastated, like proper devastated. Um, and then Louis said to me, look, we live in the middle of nowhere and we need a kid that's, you know, got to be tough. So... These ones just weren't tough enough to live out here. <laughs> so <laughs> we, um, we tried again. We fucked them with numbers. We tried again. Um, and I'm not saying it was easy to pick ourselves up off the floor. Well, mostly me. But uh, we were so determined and we were not going to give up. And that's when 
natural period, fell pregnant again, rang my beautiful midwife, and she actually met us outside the ultrasound room with that last one. And we all squealed and cried and everything because there was an amazingly strong heartbeat at 12 weeks, at eight weeks. And then because of my situation, I went back every week. Yeah. <laughs> I drove oh, the God. Um, sorry, every fortnight. I drove the four hours to, um, to make sure that that little baby was still there. The other thing that I did is I bought a Doppler. Yeah, to and check her heartbeat. That, and I checked that baby 87 times a day. Mm to make sure she was still there. Well, understandably, after yeah. everything that you went through. <laughs> so, and, so did you go back, um, how long were you getting monitored then, like at the start, yeah. every two so weeks for your whole you, pregnancy? No. So when when you've, because I became a VIP there, because I was <laughs> there all the time, they said, look, we'll monitor this really closely just basically for my anxiety and yeah. my concern and nerves and, you know, everything else. Once we hit the 12 weeks and then I, you know, I bought the Doppler and I was in constant contact with my beautiful midwife. So this team, my midwife and my doctor, had been with me since the very beginning and they were the same people with me through all of that. Um, so if I had any pregnancy concerns, I would ring my midwife and she'd say, you know, well, Count down the weeks till we can get this Doppler because, as you know, you can't use a Doppler at 12 weeks. Mm. Um, and then once I could purchase the Doppler, I knew that I could, you know, find the baby myself and um, and have all those fears calmed by hearing her little helicopter, you know, heartbeat. But Louis used to walk in, like, you know, for lunch or something and be like, what are you doing? Laying on the couch trying to find a heartbeat. <laughs> That's completely understandable after everything you went through. <laughs> so how was your pregnancy with did you know Molly was a girl? Or did you No, no, we found out Molly Ann was a girl when she when she was born. Was born. Yeah. Um, so, so how was your pregnancy? I was just so grateful. I was so grateful to be pregnant, Kendall, that mm. um I embraced it all. The sickness, I loved it because I knew she was strong. Um Everything that happened to me during that pregnancy, I was just so grateful to have it happening um, and so happy to be finally pregnant after two and a half years of trying and, um, yeah, wanting it so, so desperately mm. that, yeah, I, I just loved being pregnant with her. Um, I was a bit of a sloth and did coat myself in bubble wrap because I was scared that something was going to happen. I, and in hindsight, that was not necessary. But, you know, I spent a lot of time lounging, protecting mm. my stomach, mm. um, <laughs> just not wanting anything to happen to her. Oh, that's completely understandable. Um, <laughs> so what hospital then did you choose to birth at or, like, was yes. available so, to you? Yeah. So because of my choice of midwife, um, she worked out of Mount Isa Hospital and, of course, um, you know, I was blessed with continuity of care through her and she would, um, you know, be able to be at the birth, so I chose Mount Isa. Um, yep. So what they recommend out here is that you move to a town. Um, so for me that was Mount Isa at 36 weeks. Um mm. 
and you wait for the baby's arrival in town. Um, obviously, then you're close to the hospital. You're able to get monitored more regularly. Um, if anything goes downhill, you know, you're not going to give birth in the paddock. So um, that's what I, with her, I went at 37 weeks. Uh, Louis was working in the mine at the time just because the drought was bad here. And um, I, yeah, I just went up at 37 instead of 36. Mm. But the Queensland Health was amazing in that we had to cover our first four nights accommodation and then after that they, they covered all the accommodation. That's so good. Um, which is amazing. And, you know, just Did you so. Just stay in a hotel? So no, you, well, you can. Uh, they provide a certain amount of money mm -hmm. and anything above that you have to fund yourself. So I ended up staying, it's just me, in a little cabin at the caravan park, mm. um, which was perfect. You know, I had a kitchen and, you know, it was great. But um, every, like if you did want to stay in a five-star hotel, you'd cover the difference between the what yeah. Queensland Health offers you and, and, the, and the cost of the five-star hotel. That's so good. All right. Well, let's get cracking on your uh, birth story with Molly. Can you take us to the yep. first signs of labour and how it all started? Okay. So Molly Ann's due date was the 31st of July, 2017. And we had an appointment that day because she hadn't arrived at the doctor's. Now, my, my special doctor had to fly to Russia. She had a grandchild that was due to be born. And we had you know, we'd had a plan that, you know, I, my care was going to be taken over by another doctor and I didn't like this other doctor and she knew that. So the plan was that hopefully my midwife, you know, would, everything would go beautifully and we wouldn't need the nasty doctor. Anyway, mm. Louis and I had this appointment with the nasty doctor and he ultrasound and he was like, no, nah, you need to be induced. And I was like, okay, why? Because I'd heard that he's a bit of a, you know, keen for induction. Mm doctor and he said that there was inconsistent dopplers which means something along the lines of there was enough blood getting or really good consistent blood getting to her head but not to the internal organs of her body and after everything louis and i had been through um that was a game changer for us we were like yep sweet let's mm. get induced because um if you know we had finally got our strong enough healthy enough baby um, to live in the outback, we didn't want anything to be risked. So we booked in for induction um, the next day. And as soon as I left, I rang my midwife and she said, look, I agree with what he's saying, but because Mount Isa is an has an amazing track record for induction natural birth, don't panic about this. We can do it really slowly and we can do it really naturally as much as an, an induction is natural. Like we will do the first step and then we'll let you see if your body responds. Mm -hmm. And we can give that hours and hours and hours and then we'll do the next step and see if your body responds. So there, that kind of made me feel um, comforted in knowing that, you know, your biggest fear when it's your first baby is that, you know, the stats say an induction leaves a cesarean and, and given my location and everything else, cesarean wasn't, you know, my first choice. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what we decided to do. And I was, I was okay with that. Um, and so, 
My midwife drove from Cloncurry and stayed the night with Louis the night before the night I went into hospital. Um, um, she's not allowed to drive, you know. She had to drive normal hours. Mm. Um, and I went in for the induction. So they inserted a, inserted a balloon um, up into my cervix to kind of make my cervix dilate and they put some gel on. That was the first step. Yeah, so um, the balloon, catheter and prostaglandin gel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the first step, and they did that like overnight. And then the next morning at six o'clock, my midwife and Louie were there, and I'd heard a pop, um, like literally as just before they walked in the door. I was like, "Good timing, something's just popped," <laughs> and I just assumed it was the balloon. And she's like, "Well, we'll remove the balloon and see." And yeah, as she removed the balloon, she was like, "Your waters are broken." Like, Sweet. So then we did nothing, um, and laboured came naturally um so we went to the birthing suite um she had prepared because she's just an amazing human the most amazing playlist so louie and i were still working off bloody nokia's candle like mm. i think we didn't even have a smartphone. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me and, yeah and she had you know this amazing ipad full of music and she had you know oils burning and it was just it was awesome like we had and you know over the years Louis got to know her as well it was it was such a beautiful everything was cool everything was good and then I felt like you know it's, we need oh, I'm coming let's get the show on the road and we started pushing to so move down the shower um, and started pushing and I'm a very time orientated person so if someone says to me right I say you've got to do something until two o'clock. We'll all go hard till two o'clock. And I kept saying, Chelsea, how much longer? How much longer? And she was like, I reckon you'll have this baby by 12. And I was like, okay, cool. So I was, you know, pushing, pushing, pushing. Anyway, three and a half hours later. Oh my of pushing, God. She could see blonde hair, like literally an inch from being born, but Molly was stuck. And so she called in the not favorite doctor. Oh like, no! <laughs> and he was like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "Look, she's been like, oh, this, you know, this is before the three and a half hour call mark." But yes, yeah, it was after, you know, two hours or something. And she's like, "She's been here a while." And he's like, "Right, I can give her another half an hour, and then I'll be in." Um, and yeah, basically at three and a half hours, he came in, and we decided, well, Louis and my midwife and the doctor decided that the vacuum was the, the, the first option we'd try. And I remember <laughs> um, my midwife telling me afterwards that he'd gone to pick up the scissors and she'd said, put them down. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he vacuumed her out. Um, she was born. It was the most intense um, pain of my life. When um, she was being vacuumed or the just yeah, birth in general? When she, when she was being vacuumed out. Yeah. Um, I had gas for her and I found that to be fine. Um, Louis, on the other hand, thought that I was a bit out of it on the gas um, and wasn't able to, like, focus mm. very well. So we tried to rectify that in the next baby's birth. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, the gas was fine. Obviously, you... Um, this is five years ago for me. Um, I, I obviously it would have hurt, but I don't remember the pain. That's the wonderful thing the woman's body does is mm. make you forget. 
Um, so Nature's yeah, trip um, to yeah. make you breed more. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> it works. Um, so yeah, we. Uh, she was born. She was perfect. Um, and then I said to my midwife, um, "What is he still doing here?" Because I didn't want the doctor in the room <laughs> <laughs> to get out. And he's like, "Oh, he's just stitching you up because you teared a bit." And I was like, "Okay, well then, can he go?" <laughs> this really wasn't a fan. Um, so <laughs> he then left. And we had this beautiful miracle baby, and she was just amazing in every That's possible way. So beautiful. It must have been such a nice feeling having her in your arms. It was. It was so much relief. And, you know, we'd done it like just, and it was such a team effort, you know, between not only me and Louis, but my midwife and my doctor. And then I had another beautiful midwife because it was time for my midwife to go home, come in and give me a shower and, and, um, she came back in later and said, oh, your doctor's just called from Brisbane Airport to check on you. And, like, just the level of care there was exceptional. I That's mean, I had my good. special doctor and my special midwife, but every midwife that I came in contact with was amazing. So because of, um, you know, we don't do anything easy, um, my uterus didn't, in the days following, my uterus didn't um, retract, like go back. Um, mm. And the the really nice nasty doctor decided that he could just fist me and find what was wrong in there on oh, one day. God. Oh. Um, <laughs> so Louis in the hallway with Molly in his arms, and all he can hear is me just screaming. Anyway, he didn't find. Oh, he got out one massive blood clot, but then he was like, oh, "I might send her for an ultrasound," and found out there was retained placenta. So right. I ended up having to have a DNC to remove that, um, and that was terrifying, only because this doctor in his terrible bedside manner was like, you know, if anything goes wrong, I'm going to have to give you a hysterectomy. And I was like, mate, I understand you need to tell me the risks involved yes. in this <laughs> operation, but right now, after three miscarriages and I've finally got a baby and you've just fisted me yesterday, I don't really want to hear that you're going to take out my entire uterus. <laughs> So that was quite traumatic for me and I had a beautiful midwife hold my hand all the way to surgery because I was so scared while Louis was with Molly Ann. Um, so we did the DNC and everything was fine. Um, but I, a benefit of me having that retained placenta is that I did get to spend, you know, days in hospital with these amazing women teaching me how to feed. Mm. Um, so breastfeeding is not easy. Um, no. And it's not um, something that just, you know, happens. You need to learn. The baby needs to learn. It's a it's a big juggling act on thrown on top of hormones and everything else mm. that you're going through, um, especially if you're a first-time mum. But it makes no difference because, as I'll tell you later, the, the issues I had breastfeeding my last were, you know, significant. So, yeah, the... I was so grateful we had that time in hospital with yeah. all these amazing women helping me and I don't think I would have breastfed for 13 months if I hadn't had that amazing start. Um, you know, I was in hospital for days. You know, the food was awesome. I was so well looked after and I went home because I did go home by myself. Louis went back to the mine. Um, Louis' parents live on the station near us but um, 
they had visitors at the time of Molly's birth and, you know, I was in a house by myself for a week mm. until we got home and, and without that week I'd had a manizer in that hospital, I don't think that would have been as as happy as it was. Yeah. How did you go, um, like, obviously being at home by yourself, yeah. however, yeah. one, two I, weeks postpartum? Yeah, I was fine because I'd had a really great education in the hospital. Mm. Um, and I also had my beautiful midwife on the other end of the phone. Um, if anything was wrong, um, you know, I was able to give her a call and I knew we knew each other so well um, that she'd know, or, you know, Sophie's not overreacting or Sophie mm. is overreacting or, you know, you know that, that was really so special to have someone that knew me. Um, and, you know, at every appointment that Molly Ann needed to have, it was back, you know, two hours in the car to Concurry to have her checked and weighed and needles and all that. And, and that was with my midwife until she was three months old. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. So your midwife met you in Cloncurry for your follow-up appointments? Yes, yeah, so, so that's where she lives. That's where she's based. Oh, right. Uh, she travelled she to Mount Isa only for the birth and then would head back to Cloncurry. So here to Cloncurry is two hours and then another hour and a half to Mount Isa. Mm. And what was it like having... I guess, like your first baby and being so isolated on the cattle station? Um, well, I loved it because, you know me, I'm a pretty independent mm. person um, and I I just was so happy to have her, Kendall. You know, I finally had her and she was perfect and it was we just got into our own little groove. Um, it was, yeah, it was so nice. I beautiful. had heard about, you know, like my midwife had told me there are some beautiful Indian families in Concurry and the mother just gets completely like treated like a queen for weeks um, in the Indian culture after she's had a baby and, you know, they family gather around and, you know, clean her house and cook for her and look after the baby, just basically bring it to her for feeding. And, you know, yeah, that'd be nice, but I kind of had that in Mount Isa Hospital. You know, I had five days of being really well looked after and really well fed and, you know, I, my mother-in-law, you know, she was great. She'd bring me down food and stuff that first week. Um, but, yeah, it was it was actually quite nice to be here, just me and her, and, and not, you know, obviously I would have loved Louis to be there, but he was at work and that was something that we'd, um, you know, chosen to do. But, you know, he was home within a week. It wasn't long and... Yeah, it was then it was just three of us and our, our family journey began. Oh, that's amazing. So how, uh, how long after, because I know all the kids are quite close together, um, how long after Molly <laughs> did you guys decide to try again for Billy? So basically um, because of what would, had happened before Molly Ann, we were like, right, if this is going to take a long time again, you know, if we're going to have another three miscarriages, we need to get the show on the road. So as soon as I had a period, um, we tried again and Molly Ann was three months old when I fell pregnant with Billy. They're 13 months apart. You two love a challenge, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll move on I, to Billy then. <laughs> so I fell pregnant with Billy and again you know you're nervous 
and I went for that first ultrasound. Um, Louis was busy. Uh, I can't remember quite what he was doing, but I asked a, a good friend to come with me just in case, just to look after Molly and, and you know, in case it was a miscarriage, you know, to look after me. And and she did and, and she's, you know, she's a wonderful friend. And, yeah, we went to Mount Isa and heartbeat was strong, everything was good and so that was amazing. Um, I had been feeling very sick so I was hopeful that that it was a strong baby but because of Molly Ann I didn't get the I didn't take up the frequent trips to Mount Isa to check on the baby um because I just couldn't with you know three month old baby mm. travel four hours to get ultrasounds every two weeks so how, how was your pregnancy with um Billy yeah, pregnancy with Billy was uh, fine until the second trimester and I started getting really bad hip pain. Um, and given where we are, it's challenging to find um, someone to help you out mm. in the physio department. Um, and I did see a physio locally, but um, unfortunately it wasn't um, able to help. And then I just stumbled because I'm in desperation, stumbled across a place in Brisbane that, that had kind of shared a couple of um, like via YouTube, some stretches and those stretches literally saved my life. Um, so I'm so pleased that some places do, you know, <laughs> post stuff out on the internet for people like us that are in the wilderness looking mm. desperately <laughs> for something, you know, it just wasn't practical for me to fly to Brisbane and see, a, you know, a physio that specialises in pregnancy with a three-month-old baby, you know, mm. just by that stage she was four or five months, you know. It just wasn't, it wasn't practical. So how are you yeah, feeling in this pregnancy compared to your first because you had a three-month-old? Again, I was I was happy to be pregnant, Kendall. I was so mm. grateful that we had, you know, another strong, healthy baby. Um, and... I was still feeding Molly Ann. Uh, there wasn't much of me. Um, I think I was 45 kilo when I got pregnant with Billy. So we were all a bit shocked that it actually happened. Mm. Um, but obviously he was um, meant to be. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so with Billy, obviously just decided to go the exact same model of care, birth and baptism with the same yeah. midwife. <clears throat> Exactly. So my beautiful midwife, again, my amazing doctor, again, and I went to Mount Isa at 36 weeks this time for Molly Ann basically to be settled rather than for me. Mm. Um, I felt that if, you know, we're only there for a week, it's a bit disrupting to her. And again, my beautiful friend from right back in the beginning said to me, oh, there's this place that I stayed at when I had my babies in Mount Isa maybe give them a call instead of the caravan park. And I did. And she said, oh, I've actually got a house available. Would you like it? So Louie and I and Molly Ann were able to stay in this amazing three-bedroom house, house that had a swimming pool as, as part of a, a bigger complex. Mm. And we had all this space and Molly Ann could run around and it was just, it was so amazing. Oh, and I felt really so happy there. So it was just Molly Ann and I for the first three weeks and then Louie and his mum came in the last week. 
Um, and I, my, my beautiful grandma turned 90 the week Billy was due. And I was so determined to give her a great-grandson for her birthday that I was getting daily stretch and sweeps and doing all the things to get this baby out on her birthday. <laughs> then I failed. Um, <laughs> and we had booked an induction in for the Friday because of care for Molly Ann. I just didn't want to go and, and I was so tired. So a little side note, my children never sleep. Mm. So I hadn't slept in two years because, you know, you when you're pregnant, you don't sleep. And mm. um, Molly Ann doesn't sleep. And then I was so in so much pain with this pregnancy that I didn't sleep. So I was like, oh, I think an induction again might be a good option because we can do it during the day and, you know, he was also measuring big and I know that means nothing because ultrasound can you know it depends on which angle you look in the mirror but I was happy with that plan anyway Billy had other ideas and mm. he came decided to come at 10 o'clock at night did the you night just before his, his induction was scheduled oh, really did so you just start to feel well, contractions yeah yeah and I was like, oh, God, I remember this. Yeah. Because <laughs> you do it and then it starts happening again. You're like, why am I doing this again? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, getting... my beautiful midwife has, was already in town because we were due to be induced the next day. And the bachelor had just finished and I rang her <laughs> and I was like, um, I think you might need to come over. Some stuff's happening. And she's like, right, I'll come over and check you out. Now, prior to Billy's birth, I had been tested for GBH. That could be wrong. I'm Gestational sure diabetes? No. Oh. It's like a, a bacteria that lives in your vagina that is not good during birth, So, and it can affect your baby. So when you're in labour, you need to be hooked up to antibiotics that then goes into your system and then make sure that the baby doesn't get this bacteria or whatever anyway so i had that with billy GBA. so i had to be yes that's it i just googled it thank you yeah <laughs> so i had to be connected uh to a trip during his birth i knew that so it wasn't as though we could labor at the house and then go in for the delivery we had mm. to kind of get there um as soon as i kind of started being in labor so my beautiful midwife came around, checked me out. She's like, yep, we've got to go. Um, and we went to the hospital and I laboured through the night. And with Molly Ann's birth, it was the typical contraction, pain, and then rest, mm -hmm. contraction, pain, and then rest. And then they would get obviously closer and closer together. So with Billy's birth, there was no freaking rest. It really? was constant pain the entire time. And the only relief I got was when I got into the bath. I had a bath there. But the rules were that you weren't allowed to give birth in the bath because it was like an actual bath, not like a blow-up. Mm. Anyway, it was a strange situation. And one of the other midwives saw... Um, that I, you know, might have been showing signs of labour and bloody show or something like that and was like, oh, time to get out because we're not allowed to, you know, give birth in the bath. So 
got out and then, yeah, it was just constant pain. Lewis had great theories because he'd watched cows give birth about walking a lot. <laughs> so he, he thought that it was like every time I walked I made progress. Mm. So we did a lot of walking around the room and it just just was I could not get comfortable. I tried everything and could not get comfortable and could not stop this pain. And I kept saying to my midwife, it's it's the same sort of pain and it's different to Molly Ann. And before we did this podcast, Kendall, I spoke to her and I said, I need the facts. How many times did I ask for a cesarean? Was it 23 or 25? <laughs> it was like, no, it was only 17. But I knew that you didn't actually want a cesarean. So I was in that much pain that I was willing with a one-year-old to have a cesarean, which was my last option because I didn't want to not be able to pick up a one-year-old who doesn't understand mm. that mum's just had a baby. Yeah. So Billy's head was born and then the rest of him wasn't coming and that's when they realised that he had shoulder dystocia. Right. So Is that why you're in so much pain? Correct. Yeah, that entire time that his shoulder was rubbing against my pelvis. Mm. And... There are numerous techniques that midwives do. Um, they tried all the things and then my amazing midwife just reached in, pulled his arm, dislodged his shoulder, and he was born. Oh, I found incredible. out subsequently that she, she literally did save his life. Um, babies that are stuck like that, they are stuck for too long, um, you know, sometimes don't make it. Um, so, you know, already owed her so much and then there's that <laughs> um she was also pregnant herself the poor thing during the oh. birth middle of the night um <laughs> and yeah she was amazing again um so after he was born straight on the boob we cuddled him for you know like i want to say 30 40 minutes and then she's like okay guys can we find out if it's a boy or a girl now because oh, i really want to know <laughs> How did you not um, check for that long? I wouldn't have been able to contain I myself. So, I was so wrecked, Kendall. Mm. Pain was, and I'd had no drugs, nothing, nothing. Because if, because oh. they'd said Louis is like, oh, you're a bit out of it on the drugs with the Molly Ann's birth. I had said nothing. I'm not going to take a thing. So I did the worst birth out of my three with no drugs. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> you're a weapon. Um, I just like to do things the hard way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and, and it was you... about that time that we found out he was a boy that uh, the other midwife was like, there's a hell of a lot of blood here. Um, yeah, it was going to be my next so I was question. Losing, yeah, so I was just losing a shit ton of blood. So I got um, whisked away, but I had my amazing doctor. She came in at 6 o'clock. So Billy was born at 5. She came in at 6. So she was able to take me to theatre um so she wasn't there for the birth because they kept saying you know do you want me to get her and I was like no let her sleep we like we've got this um obviously if stuff had got bad I'd want it there but mm. um yeah so they stopped the bleeding in theater and um everything was fine but Billy had a, a highish temperature at one of the baby checks that they do after birth and because I'd had that thing GBS. Oh, yep. 
yeah. PBS, yeah. Um, they, yeah, they put him in the special care nursery for a couple of days just to monitor him and give him antibiotics and stuff. But he was fine. He was um, nine pound two. So he was a giant of mm, a child. And it was so did. strange going in that near, like the special care nursery, and you've got all these tiny, tiny little babies, and then you've got this monster Billy just <laughs> in there. Um, but again, I had Billy? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So is that what they, they were doing in theatre, stitching back up? Is that what the blood was? No, they were trying to control the blood loss. So right. the blood loss was internal. Internal. Um, it, it sorted itself out. Um, oh, I had to have a blood transfusion. Um, I lost a lot. Um but again, these these things that happened made forced me to stay in hospital again for four or five days, and I had the most amazing care again. Um, it was hard being away from Molly Ann. Uh, Louis would bring her up um, to the hospital, and also, you know, with Molly Ann's birth, it was just me and Louis. You know, we had so much time in the hospital together with this amazing baby and Riley mm. Ra. And then when you have the second one, it's like your heart's pulled because you know you, you want to be with your other child. But also your husband isn't as free and available as he was with the first mm. one because he's, you know, he's looking after the first one. Mm. And um, how were you? Because yeah. you're still breastfeeding Molly. Yeah. So um, I decided to feed her right up until Billy's birth because I had this thing in my head, and it's so wrong, but I had this thing in my head that breastfeeding would be easier if I was breastfeeding. Now, breastfeeding a one-year-old and breastfeeding a newborn are completely different, but when you're sleep-deprived and haven't done this before you think that they're not mm. <laughs> it made no difference <laughs> so anyone that's doing it solely for that reason you don't have to um, <laughs> but I thought it would be a handy thing to do yeah. I was wrong <laughs> but it was good for her <laughs> and um yeah it, I fed her up until uh, the week he was born all right so um, you had to stopped breastfeeding her that week that week yeah. And then um, how was Billy? How was your breastfeeding journey with Billy? What was latch like? Again, I, it was fine because I had those days in the hospital. I mean, I had con constant midwives able to help and assist. And if there was an issue, you know, we got fixed straight away. Um, <clears throat> you know, that latch is so important. And if you get it wrong, it's it makes everything difficult. Um, whereas if you if you've got experts around you any time of the day or night they come in they help you and you know it's it, it made everything so much easier being having the retained placenta with Molly Ann having the blood transfusion with Billy meant mm. that I <clears throat> was in there with constant help which was great yeah so good so when when did you um, go back to the farm um, so <clears throat> we he was born on the 14th and we came home on the 18th. Mm, nice. So, yeah. And they also like to, because I am going back, you know, to no one, they like to make sure that I'm okay. So even if um, I didn't have any medical issues, I would have had to stay in Mount Isa and then go up to the hospital and get, like, a clearance to go home. Mm just because of where we live and the remoteness. Right. So how was uh, going to your appointments then? Were you able to just leave Molly at the farm? 
No, no, we, no challenging. They were very, very challenging. Yeah. <laughs> um, <You take laughs> sometimes I left. Uh, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Molly and um, also Karsik, so that was a challenge um, mm. dealing with you and stuff. But, yeah, I didn't do as many appointments because I knew a little bit after having a baby. Mm. So, you know, if you had to do six appointments, well, I only did four because right. I knew he was fine and I had a set of scales here, so I knew he was making weight and... I had that relationship with my midwife that, you know, she knew that I knew kind of what was going on and if there was an issue I'd send her photos or whatever and she was able to communicate with me that way. Mm. And how was your postpartum period? Like how were you feeling mentally, physically? Fine. Um, I was really lucky. Again, I was just so happy and grateful to have two beautiful, healthy kids. Mm. Um, and I'd had that, you know, been wrapped up in that warm hug of love from Mount Isa Hospital. Um, and then, you know, we'd come home and, and Louis was was here and available and our lifestyle is such that, you know, he, yes, he does work hard, but he's also, his job is flexible and that he can be, um, you know, home probably more than most dads because his lives where he works. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. So then... <laughs> We'll move on to Hank and you guys wasted no time in getting pregnant again. I wasn't done. <laughs> Louis was quite happy because he, he found birth quite traumatic mm. um, and he didn't want me to go through the whole, you know, pain and needles and na 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 na. So he was quite happy after Billy, but I wasn't done. And he didn't take much convincing. Um, <laughs> so when Billy was four months old, I fell pregnant with Hank. And <laughs> so I can't remember much of Hank's pregnancy. Yeah. I had, a, you know, <laughs> I had two tiny kids. Um, it was fine, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, no, not a lot of sleep. Um, little kids, uh, a lot. Um, mm. I breastfed Billy until 10 months. He self-weaned at 10 months and it broke my heart. Mm. And I remember calling the Australian breastfeeding hotline <laughs> or yeah. something. And I spoke to this lovely woman who basically said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And it, mm. it made me feel so much better that this wasn't me. It was a decision Billy had made um, that he no longer wanted or needed it. Um, and that made me feel so much better. And I knew that it wasn't a pregnancy thing. You know, some people are like, oh, your milk's changed because you're pregnant. Well, I breastfed Molly Ann until the week Billy was born. It, you know, yeah. that that wasn't true for me so um and yes i know all kids are different but yeah he was he was done and he was ready and that was um that was our breastfeeding journey ended at 10 months mm, and for anyone listening um that's the australian breastfeeding association you can google it. it's a really good uh, support service available they were excellent they were excellent and even if you ring i have heard this from another friend and you don't like the the, the advice that you're given, give it half an hour and ring again. 
because you might get a different person's point of view that might resonate with you better or, mm. um, you know, it is such a challenging personal individual thing and I was just lucky that the time that I rang and, and needed to talk to someone, I, I was able to talk to someone that said something that clicked with me. Yeah. And so you're pregnant with Hank and everything's a haze because yeah. <laughs> you've got a toddler and a yeah. baby. <laughs> How were you feeling, yeah. do you recall, in that pregnancy time? Um, I, I had, so Hank's pregnancy was the, the only pregnancy I took medication for nausea in. Um, I was scared to take it with Molly Ann. I toughed it out with Billy. But by the time Hank came, I was, uh, I needed to function at a better level than, you know. Um, so I, I took a medication that was prescribed that you changed my life if I'd had my time again or I say to friends relatives that are pregnant if you feel sick take the medication mm. uh, it really does help and then were you just obviously once again going through the same model of care same midwife yes yes so with Hank things were a little different so my beautiful midwife had had a baby and was on mm. maternity leave so I was dealing with her um replacement for the time she was on leave and she was great like same model of care as in Cloncurry for all the appointments and then to Mount Isa to birth um so Hank was born in 2019 so this is pre-COVID and I had asked my original beautiful midwife if she would be uh in the room as a support person which she agreed to um so that was amazing I knew that regardless of what happened, I was going to have her there <laughs> mm. um, um, when he was born, which I'll be forever grateful for. Um, so unfortunately, uh, when I had six weeks to go with Hank's pregnancy, my sister-in-law died suddenly. And I was in Mount Isa at the time and had an ultrasound and a doctor's appointment booked that day. And I was obviously very upset. She left behind my brother-in-law and two little kids. And my doctor said to me, I'm taking this all out of your hands. You are not making any decisions about this birth. You'll be induced on this date. And she, unfortunately, she was on leave. She said, you'll be induced on this date. Obviously, you know you'll have, you know, your special friend with you. Um, but... Um, I'm not letting you make any decisions. You're not in a space now. You need to go home and be with your family until this baby arrives. Mm. So that's what we did. Um, and, again, because these women knew me so well and they had known me for five years, they knew what, what the best thing to do in that situation was, and that was to take it out of my hands and let me go home and love my family. Mm. So when did you go back to Mount Isa? So I went to Mount Isa. So I went to Mount Isa at 37 weeks um, on my own with the two kids. Louis came with me, but then he had to fly to Townsville for a funeral. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, to support his brother. And then he flew back and um, originally... Um, Obviously, my mother-in-law, who'd been there with Billy's birth, was going to come up and and look after the kids. But you know, she had to look after her son. So and his children. So 
my mum and dad flew up from Melbourne um, to look after the kids while Louis and I um, went to the hospital to have Hank. Um, So we went in and obviously I had two natural births and given the situation and I'd had a lot of, I'd, I'd talked a lot to my midwife about an epidural and just taking the taking the hard work and I know your body still does the hard work but the the hard work out of it for me given what had happened um you and you felt like you were not in the right space mentally to um, get through I was so I was so tired Kendall mm. um and I didn't want to run the risk of a Billy sneaking in there before induction mm. and having to labour through the night again. Um, and I knew I'd had two babies naturally, so my chances of an epidural induction birth naturally were quite high. Mm. Um, I was also very much a VIP now at Mount Isa, like they knew everything <laughs> about me. Um the same because I had babies so close together, the same staff were around, you know, it was awesome. Um, you know, if you have babies, you know, three, four years apart, you know, people's lives change. Mm. But when you smash them in two years, they're still there. <laughs> um, um, so we, de- yeah, I decided I would have an epidural. Yeah. So you were induced after the epidural. So I after felt literally nothing. Right. That- My midwife and I ate sushi, chatted, watched Netflix, had the best grand old time. Louis came in and out, <laughs> you know, just he was organising some tyres for the car. Like it was just the most chilled. It was not a typical, like the. it was so different to my other two births. Mm. Um, again, my focus was obviously to avoid a cesarean because I had a two-year-old and a one-year-old at home um, and I didn't want to have to not be able to pick them up. Um, and obviously they knew everything about Billy's birth, so there's the risk which once you have one shoulder dystocia that you will have another. Right. But we had also combated the fact that because Billy was nine pound two, if this baby was another boy, I wasn't going to push another nine pound two baby out. So we mm. induced a week before his due date. Yeah. And that was all decided by my doctor. Um, if it was a boy, if it was another big boy, um, then let's try and get a smaller size child. Mm. So um, what at what method of induction did they do? So it was <clears throat> the drip straight away pretty much. Um, yeah. But you didn't feel, I mean, I, I have heard that, you know, the Pitocin, the Pitocin drip can produce some pretty intense and, f- like, back-to-back contractions. Yeah. So you didn't yeah. you so that's obviously what didn't happened feel with that. Molly Ann. So, yeah. so when Molly Ann got stuck, sorry, I should have said this, when Molly Ann got stuck, they did hook me up to the drip to, because yeah. I was so exhausted. They thought that that may help, you know, my body, um, you know, push her out. Uh whether it did or it didn't, doesn't matter. She got vacuumed down. So with Hanks, I didn't feel those. Yes, I have heard that, that they are intense, but I literally felt nothing. I was lucky that the epidural, I was still able to move my legs. Um, so that was really good. Um, you know, I wasn't sitting in the same spot for seven hours, but, um, yeah, it was it was amazing. And 
again, the staff there were amazing. They walked me through like I could feel my stomach contracting and all that jazz, which you're just not present to do when you're in labour. Your, mm. your head's elsewhere. So it was it was an amazing experience. Um, uh, so he was born and it was the only birth I didn't have any, didn't have to be rushed to surgery afterwards. So that was nice. Um, but because I hadn't felt anything, I assumed I'd be okay. I didn't make the connection, and this is stupid, but I didn't make the connection that I'd actually, my body had still gone through everything. I just didn't feel it. Mm. So I probably should have taken more time to chill. Um, I wanted to get home to my babies. I did not want to be in that hospital. I didn't, because there was no medical reason for me to stay there, I wanted to get out. Mm. Um, whereas with the other two, I was forced to stay there and I knew that, so I rationalised it in my head and I made the most of, you know, the the love and the care, whereas I just wanted to get back to my kids and, and back to the station and back to my home. Yeah. And because of that, Hank's feeding suffered. Um, I didn't get a good latch on one side and um, I was out of the hospital, so I had to travel to the hospital which isn't far but when you've just given birth and you've got two babies at home and you know you've got a full house and it just was like oh god I've got to you know I've got to go again and and get this latch sorted whereas when you're in a hospital bed and you just ding your bell and they walk in it's mm. so much easier <laughs> so how, so you're um how were you able to get that sorted out with Hank yeah, I made sure that I did it before I left Mount Isa, but it was a challenge. Mm. Um, I knew that if I got home and ha didn't have it sorted, it would have been really detrimental to him and me. So I made sure I did it, but it was very challenging to do, to wait that extra time. I just wanted to be home. Yeah. It's so crazy how they're all so different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So was, it, was he just struggling to latch or was... Just slipping off, or just on one side, just on one side, it was. Um, I just couldn't get a good latch, mm. and he has the smallest mouth out of all three of my kids. That could have had something to do with that. Um, but again, I thought, oh, I've had two kids, I know what I'm doing. Well, mm. You don't, you got mm. you forget, and it's that newborn latch and that newborn feeding is totally different from three-month feeding and six-month feeding and 12-month feeding. You know, it changes so many times and they get so much better at it that, you know, that beginning part where you have to teach them and um, you have to learn again is really challenging and doesn't matter if you've had 10 kids. I, I, I think that would be challenging. Mm. How long after he was born then were you able to go home? Yeah, so it was about a week. Um until we went home. Yeah. And um, then what was life like with a newborn and two little kids? Um, that summer, so Hank was born in November, that summer was really hard. We had my brother-in-law here. Obviously, he's just lost, you know, someone, love of his life. We had his four kids here. Um, and it was really challenging um, mm. having... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people around that that were sad, um, and you know, babies do you know cheer people up. But yeah, that was a really challenging summer. Mm. How do you feel 
life with three little kids so isolated? I love it. You love it? I love it. We we have the best little bubble, um, you know, Louis was born here, um, so he's grown up on this property. For him to be raising his kids in the same way he grew up is so special. Um, they have their nan and pop down the road who are, you know, very special people in their lives. Mm. Um, and another reason, you know, we, we banged out three kids pretty quick, but and we did that because, you know, not only because of the miscarriages, but because we wanted them to have friends. You know, if we waited five years between kids um gosh molly would have been lonely Mm. Um, and you know we wanted them to 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 grow up together Um, we've got very good friends who have kids close and he said that the husband said to louis once look mate if you're changing one nappy why not be changing two more (laughs) just get it all done at the same time um you know it's it is it is really special we obviously know no different um it's our normal and it does have its challenges um molly Ann's just turned five and i think now with some help from an amazing personal trainer and um some vitamins i'm finally sleeping for the first time in six years Mm -hmm. but it it does um you know to see how good of friends they are and to go through you don't forget as much um you know they go through the same things within a year of each other yeah that's really nice to see um and yeah i like yeah as i said it's our normal we don't we know no different but Mm. don't ever be scared of having kids close together um a friend of mine who has twins said to me look the first two years are going to be rough but after that you'll love it and she Mm. was right Mm. they're beautiful kids and then louis decided to get the snip i actually yes, wanted to yes. ask you about that so like sh- share the information with um other mums who might be listening so, tell us about it louis and i <laughs> so um obviously louis is there through everything um we live together 24 7 there's no separating for work so we know each other incredibly well and he knew everything i went through with all the pregnancies the births everything and he said, look, I'm just, I'm keen to do it. Um, he has a, a very dear friend who has um, had had it and Louis kind of looked up to him as an idol and that I think was a, he knew someone that had had it mm. and um, he kind of said, oh, I'm keen to do it because I just don't want you to have any more shit be put through your body. He's mm. like, you've done what you've done for our three kids. The least I can do is go and get the snip. Um, and I think the only thing that he really wanted was a snip trip. A what, sorry? So he really a snip trip. He wanted mm. to make it into a, like, <laughs> boys' holiday. So he tried to recruit a lot of people to get snipped with him. Unfortunately, for various reasons, mostly work, it just turned out to be Louie. <laughs> but... <laughs> He went to Townsville. Um, he played golf with a good friend the day before. He stayed in a flash hotel. The kids and I were here, um, so he was on his own. He went to sleep. So we have private health, and if you go privately, you are able to go to sleep. Now, this is a big thing for a lot of men. Our friends that have had it while they're awake, 
it's quite traumatic needles going in your nuts it would be mm. and louis just felt that he couldn't contain his fists if someone was going to put a needle in his nuts mm. so <laughs> he, he thought if he went to sleep well you can do what you want to me on sleep doesn't matter so that was an option if you have private health which um he found really good so he went to sleep woke up it was done um and was given amazing drugs like I think he got endone or something like amazing drugs <laughs> and was able to um lay up in Townsville and just enjoy life um he made a really good friend at the bar the night before ended up going to box seats at the Cowboys game like he had a wonderful time <laughs> Louis um, snipped it by himself yeah yeah the other thing I would say about a vasectomy is that make sure you get the test done afterwards mm. so, oh and just before we um, move on to that. Sorry? Yeah. Um, how much did it cost? Do you recall? No, but I feel under $2,000. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I can clarify that if, if no. you'd like me to. No, no. I would just but sort of wanted to, to get me, a rough indication. Paying, paying for the pill for the rest of my life until I had menopause, mm. I thought it was quite good value. I'm sure it would not be that expensive if you did it publicly, but you would not go to sleep. You yeah. would have the procedure done in the chair awake with anaesthetic. Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying about testing? Yes. So uh, I can't remember how many months after, four, six, you're supposed to go back and get a test, which we did. Um, and 89% of people are usually clear, 89, 99, something like that. High percentage of people are clear. Of course, loose, super sperm was super not clear. <laughs> so he had to go back again um, a few months later and retest, and that time he was all clear. But just I think it's worth noting because I just thought once you had the procedure done, you're good to go. That's not true. You need to be tested um, however month, many months after and the doctor will tell you to make sure that you are actually all clear. Mm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is about the kids' school. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so what's their situation with um, them going to school? Yep. Yeah. So Molly Ann is uh, like just turned five, so she has been – enrolled in eKindy, which is a program run through Brisbane School of Distance Ed. Uh, she has the most wonderful teacher and she attends online um, once, it was once a week in term one and term two, and then we've done twice a week in term three, and then I think it bumps it up to three times a week in term four. It's a totally play-based um, system. Um, that has been, you know, wonderful um, and will enrol Billy for next year. So then next year when Molly Ann starts prep, um, we will enrol her in Mount Isa School of the Air, which is, again, an, an online school where they attend classes um, online and then they also are able to do work at home, um, like homeschool type situation. Uh, this is the model of education Louis went through, um, so it's um, a history repeating for him. 
it was also something we considered when we decided to have three kids in two years that it may be easier for me to educate them um, when they are all similar ages instead of having, you know, a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old and one on the boob. Mm. That could have been really tricky. Um, I have some amazing friends that have done that. <laughs> um, you know, they've been educating kids while breastfeeding and pregnant and everything else, but um, I'm really... Um, Excited to see how that journey for us is going to go. I'll homeschool them here uh, with the help, obviously, of Mount Isa School of the Year until high school. And then um, boarding school is um, the option because of the social interaction. You can yeah. continue um, homeschooling them all the way through, um, but... Louis and I both feel that the opportunities and and because Lewis has been through it, you know, he's he has met, has so many amazing friends from those days that he spent in boarding school and the opportunities that were gifted to him in, in that environment. Um, we don't want our kids to miss out as much as I would love to keep them at home. Mm. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Um, so I've got a few questions before we wrap up. Sure. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to a mum about to embark on motherhood journey, what would it be? Without a doubt, get a good team. Mm. Get continuity of care midwife. I mean, I was absolutely blessed to have the same midwife for all three babies. Um, and that has formed into, you know, she's one of my dearest friends. Um, but if you are going on this journey, find someone to be on it with you. Your partner is amazing, but they know nothing about this. Like you need an expert in your team. Um, and just all the questions, they are there. That's what they know. If you are lucky enough to get a doctor as well on side, even better. Um, and, you know, if they know you, it just makes everything because when you're in that labour situation, like I asked, as I said, for a cesarean 17 times and my <laughs> midwife knew that that's not really what I wanted. Um, and if that midwife didn't know me and the pain was such that, you know, that I wasn't, it wasn't transitioning pain, this was this was different pain, mm. um, it could have been another midwife could have said, yep, right, I'll get on the phone, get a doctor in here. But because she knew me, and she was able to work out, oh, no, this is shoulder dystocia, something's not right here. Um, you know, it it turned out the way it did. Um, so get someone on your team. A friend of mine said this or shared it on Facebook or something, but we spend so much money on our wedding day and it is one day. And it's a special day, but it pales, like, in comparison to the birth of your child, mm. even if you need to pay for a midwife, it is worth the investment um, to have an expert on your team by your side through the most important thing you will ever do. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, so the next question is if you could recommend one product, what would it be? Um, if you've had a miscarriage, get a Doppler. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing I ever bought. But um, I, 
Other midwives are probably going, no, don't say that, they're dangerous. If you have a continuity of care midwife and you have a Doppler, great, because you can, you know, talk to them. That They are a tool that um, because of my location and mm. where I was, it really, really helped me. Obviously, I'm no expert in, in using a Doppler. Lewis, on the other hand, thinks he is an expert. Um, but if it puts your mind at ease and you have someone in your corner that you can say, look, I'm a bit, I can't find the baby or whatever, and then go to an appointment that's close by, not four hours away, mm. then that's great. But, yeah, I would recommend just don't be too panicked if you can't find it um, or do lots and lots of practice. Mm. Incredible. Well, thank you so much, Soph, for coming on and sharing your amazing journey. I loved listening to your story. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Kendall. Three babies in three years. What a weapon. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, Sophie's a dear friend of mine and I recently just went and visited her and her family out on the cattle station in central Queensland and their children are three beautiful, happy, healthy, smart, amazing kids. So well done, Lou and Sophie. You guys are fantastic parents. Really puts it in perspective for, I guess, us city girls having access to midwives and hospitals and everything right at our doorstep. So definitely made me feel grateful and good on you for driving four-hour round-trip postpartum. You're a bloody weapon, so what an episode. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. 